Welcome to Unlocking Leadership. I'm Claire Carpenter and I'm your host. I'm joined today by Jenny Taylor. Jenny's the UK Graduate Apprenticeship and Student Programme Manager at IBM. Jenny, hello. Hello, and thank you for giving me this opportunity to talk on your podcast. It's lovely to have you. Thank you. Jenny, bring us up to speed with who you are and how you've arrived at that place. Who's Jenny Taylor? Right. So Jenny Taylor goes back quite a long way now because I've been in IBM for 35 years. So during that time, I've had three careers, which most people have if they've been in one company for so long. And I arrived at my current career as leader of all our early professional programs quite still quite a long way since in 2004 Mm -hmm. and prior to that I had started working as a manager a manager of graduates as it was then in our early professionals program called foundation and I realized when I started working in that particular role that I had found my niche my dream Mm -hmm. job So I'm very, very lucky that I've been in that role ever since and been able to see what literally is now thousands of young people go through our programs and succeed in their careers. I love that. I love that you found your passion and your niche. And what is it about that place that brings that passion to you? I think it's seeing that you can make a positive difference to young people's lives. So only this afternoon, we're running a week-long event at the moment, where normally, of course, it's face-to-face, but uh, this time around, it's virtual, so it's a week-long. And we we had um, a coaching session, career development session with two of our top-level executives. And one of them, I happened to see at an assessment centre quite a long time ago, and thought, wow, he's special, we must bring him in. So I actually went above and beyond. And this was not when I was leader. This was as an ordinary manager, above and beyond to try and get him a role in the location he wanted and get him in to IBM because I thought he was so incredible. It turns out he was incredible because, you know, nearly 20 years later, he remembered it and he actually mentioned it at the start of his career talk today to our current early professionals So career satisfaction or what my day was made. Our early professionals are in our programme, graduates two years, interns a year. You know, a lot of them come back as graduates, apprentices three or four years. But in that time, you can see such a change and such development. And it is just so fulfilling Mm. in terms of, my career satisfaction that I've seen that so many times and I can think well actually I have made a difference to people for the better so why wouldn't you want to do that and in this job you know it's not a job it is a passion it's far more than a job Mm. I do put a lot of time into it but that's because I love it so much yeah I can really hear that I'm thinking about the last couple of years and the place that we've all found ourselves in and without in any way wishing our entire conversation to dwell on that, what sort of challenges have you faced with 
bringing your early professionals, your young people into the organisation in, I guess, what's been predominantly remote working? It's been all remote working, yes. We were lucky in that IBM was already set up to work remotely, so there was no technical glitches or scrabbling for new laptops or whatever. You know, we're used to working in a very agile manner. We're used to travelling and working around the country. So that was the easy bit, if you like. Everyone was set up to do it. But as you say, actually bringing new people into the company is a huge challenge when you can't do it face-to-face because we would always do it, you know, with a nice cohort in a nice big room and lots of socialising and all of that. That all went. So, So what we tried to do... We changed cohort size, so we made the cohort smaller, particularly for our interns, because we we hire a lot of interns. And, you know, it could be that there were 50 in a room pre-COVID, but but we made it maximum 20, which meant we had an awful lot of start dates. But it did make it a lot more interactive. You can't really be interactive with 50 people staring at a screen. You just can't. So... A lot more interactive and and we tried to change our mode of delivery mm. i mean we know people don't like a load of powerpoints and staring at slides anyway because it you know it doesn't sink in so we were always interactive but we tried to make it more interactive virtually shorter sessions snappy plenty of breaks some time to go off and do some research on their own that type of thing and it seems to have worked and we've encouraged, I mean, not just for new starters, but all our early professionals, because they're, you know, they're spread all over the country now. Some went home to their parents, some were in shared accommodation, some were on their own, you know, in London or something. It's, you know, not good. So we tried to run social events as well online. So all sorts of different types. We had baking events. We had a Harry Potter escape room just fun things that they could join in with and just see each other. What do you think is the impact on culture of that for IBM, of your graduate, apprenticeship, intern, cohorts joining remotely and perhaps even 18 months down the track, not having spent any time in the business except remotely? Well, I'm not sure it's culture because I think they get the IBM culture, but but it is the face-to-face interaction because, let's face it, it's just not the same, is it? Mm-hmm. And it is the socialising. But they, they have started as soon as lockdown finished and people were allowed to meet in groups. They were, they were doing things mm. outside of work where they could go for a meal or something like that. Yeah. So they have started already a lot of sporting activities going on I would hope that the actual culture of you know our our program hasn't suffered too much you know we haven't had attrition or anything you know all the warning signs that side of thing when it's not going well we haven't had any of that fingers crossed yes but so what are the challenges then today for you in terms of recruitment and attraction in that space it's quite competitive isn't it 
it is competitive. You know, hopefully IBM has a very good brand in the marketplace. So um, I know other companies are somewhat jealous of our brand. So that's quite yeah. good, really, isn't it? Yeah. But we do try to be very inclusive in our recruitment. That's been one of IBM's ruling passions for many years, not just the, the last few years in that we are a diverse company. We encourage diversity and inclusivity. If you look at our website, there's huge amounts about all the things that we do on there. And we want as wide an outreach as we can possibly get. Actually, the virtual environment has pluses and minuses because obviously it's, it means we can't go out physically to schools and things like that. But it does mean we can hold online events. And actually, of course, instead of you might get 20, 30, if you go to a school, 50, but we can get thousands now online. Yeah. We're very proud that we offer a ladder of opportunity for young people. So we, we recruit at all levels. So we have a traineeship level two, which we do in conjunction with City Gateway in London and Hampshire County Council down in Winchester. We do that at level two to try and give young people at that level employability skills. There's then mm. an opportunity for them perhaps to join our Futures programme, which is our school leavers work experience programme. Now, that used to be quite elite. That used to be called a gap year programme. And we've removed that tag from it deliberately because that implies going to university. And we know now, of course, that you actually don't need to go to university in order to succeed in the workplace. Yes. You can do extremely well if you come in on an apprenticeship at whatever level. Mm. Level three upwards, we offer level three, level four and degree apprenticeships. But whatever level you come in at, it's been proven because we've, you know, we started our apprenticeship scheme in 2010 and we can see people from that cohort doing extremely well in IBM today. And I think it's really important for young people to, it's still a, a, one of the best kept secrets, I think. You don't need to go to university to succeed in your future career. You can do it via an apprenticeship. Work experience at the beginning, so joining you know, from school and doing some work experience then gives you a platform to perhaps apply for an apprenticeship as the next step. And we have people who have done level three, level four apprenticeships who then go on to do a degree apprenticeship. You don't have to. There's no requirement to do that in IBM, but you can if you want. So we're very mm. proud of that particular ladder. And that gives us a much greater outreach in terms of recruitment. And we work hard at trying to get to schools and to get to audiences that might not necessarily think of us you know one of the things that has often quite shocked me actually when I'm I've been hearing our trainees they do a final presentation you know, at the end of their their program and, and I try and go and, and visit and see those they say things like I wouldn't have dreamed that I'd walk through the doors of a company like IBM and I'm thinking why not mm. and so that tells us something about its aspiration because in our eyes 
there's no reason why anybody from any background shouldn't walk through the doors of IBM as a new early professionals recruit. In fact, that's what we want. But in order to do that, you do actually have to apply in the first place. So that's what we want to try and encourage more applications from people who might not have thought of it in the past. It's so interesting, isn't it? Because I'm just listening to you talking about, you know, you can have a successful career with an organisation like IBM and not be a graduate. And yet there's still, I still see and hear stigma against apprenticeship in all sorts of different places. I know you are a, you're a trailblazer with the apprenticeship piece and the use of apprenticeships as ways of developing people in the workplace. What can we do apart from just keep being out there? What can we do to break down that stigma so that more people do think about going down that route, do you think? It is difficult, but it is about meeting the apprentices themselves. Apprentices are absolutely the best ambassadors for apprenticeships. We have some stunning, absolutely stunning apprentices. And being in a global company, sometimes, you know, I'm talking to people from different countries and they don't know what an apprentice is at all. And they're, you know, what's this? Is it some sort of student or what? You know, so the best thing that I do is put a couple of our apprentices, and, and, and quite honestly, I could pick any because they're all absolutely amazing, mm. come along and meet one or meet two or do a round table with our apprentices, see what you think. At the end of it, I can tell you 100% they're always, wow, I had no idea. I didn't realise at all. That's what needs to happen. It is getting more and more apprentices out there and of course we've got more and more because um it has taken off Mm. to a very significant extent but there's still work to be done Uh, you know and i I talk to any a-level student and say well why wouldn't you do if you want to do have get a degree why wouldn't you take up employment be paid a salary still study at a university get all the relevant on the job training while you're studying and by the way you don't have to pay for any of it so there's no debt why wouldn't you do that why wouldn't you do that (laughs) why wouldn't you do that what is it about that word apprentice that has those connotations I I don't know language matters a lot to me and I think there's something that's connected with that that's not necessarily in the eyes of the 18-year-old, perhaps in the parental brain. I think in the parental and teacher brain, they're still thinking mm. manual worker. Yes. You know, that just isn't true because every corporate I know offers apprenticeships. So it's not just in, in tech and digital. No. You know, in law. I mean, in nursing. Because, you know, what we see is, and, and as someone who's managed all types of early professionals. So starting with graduates, and I'm a graduate myself. So, you know, it was always just graduates. Apprentices hadn't been invented then, it was interns, but they're still undergraduates Mm. coming to us for a year from university. And so apprentices were totally new to us. And I'm only talking from experience of what I've seen. So I had no agenda when we started apprenticeships. and, And in fact, it was seen as a bit of a risk. 
18-year-old people coming in to do real jobs. Mm, Not sure about that because they have to do client-facing jobs. We don't have back Mm. office jobs in IBM, but they have proved. And what happens is because they have the, the relevant training from day one, and this is true with, you know, all apprenticeships, then they get the skills that the employer actually values and needs. It's really nice to have a a degree and have some academic knowledge, but how much do you actually use then in your job going forward? And unless it's, you know, a, a medical degree or something that's completely relevant to a profession, well, I'll take history because that's mine. So, you know, I can't, you know, nobody can say I'm dissing any particular subject. Uh-huh. Have I used my historical knowledge since I came into IBM? Well, no, I haven't. I might have used my analytical powers and things like that, which you develop as a historian, but I haven't used the actual academic. Yeah. My dissertation was on Henry VII. That's not really very relevant. So we have to retrain, yeah. you know, we have to train graduates in the same way that we train apprentices. But if apprentices start earlier at the age of 18 instead of 21, 22, then they will have more relevant skills than a graduate who comes in 21, 22. So they'll have overtaken them by then. That's really interesting. So we're thinking about giving the organisation the biggest seat efficient for emerging talent, thinking about how you attract people. I know that you're passionate about the diversity implication of that bigger pond fishing as well. Tell us about some of the work you've done with some of the outreach programs that you're involved with. Well, I think the outreach, the main one is the level two traineeship. We've run that for several years now we've had quite a a large number of students go through it we do it as part of the movement to work program um, but we've developed our own materials so that really is reaching out to communities who definitely wouldn't have applied to IBM and, and who need help with employability skills it's not specifically an IBM feeder, it it is much wider than that sort of corporate social responsibility outreach to give young people employability skills so they can go and get any job. And that's where we start. But of course, what happens is they come in and we see them and we get to know them and we think, oh, yes, you're good, aren't you? And so it starts. But we wouldn't have seen them at all because they wouldn't have come anywhere near us had we not run this program at that level a lot of it it, it's not about academic qualifications and people need to sort of move away from academic qualifications being the priority and the cutoff for, for whether you interview someone or not it is about aptitude and ability in the workplace and passion to want to succeed because if you've got those things then you can actually go a long way if you're willing to train and learn. So we get them doing digital badges, for example. I, you know, IBM has a big program now, Skills Build, which is free, which are a formal accreditation. So that helps them so they can go to an employer and have that on their CV. And they get quite fired up about those sorts of things. Yeah. We also do a lot, of course, of trying to encourage females into 
technology because we are <laughs> technology is well known for having a pretty dire female male ratio and certainly in my organization in our early professional organization we're very proud that it's 50 50 male female split now if you delve down a bit and look at who's doing the real techie roles you'll still find that might be a bit male predominant but at least we've got the 50 50 split right across our early professional population and we're very keen of course to encourage our BAME early professionals. We just recently in the BAME Awards, one of our brilliant BAME apprentices, Tara, won the award for best digital and creative apprentice. So we're really, really proud of her. And we've got an active, really active BAME early professional community who do outreach events themselves. We like it to be early professional led. It is if you like bottom-up development as as you'd call it so it's driven we've got a lot of communities so we've got a technical community and we've got the BAME we've got LGBT plus we've got a sporting community we've got a community called Unite which teams with early professionals in other organizations to do things like hackathons and solve real business problems it's led by them there's a manager sitting over the top just to be there to help them. But we like to let them drive their own external and extracurricular activities. And they learn so much by doing that. And the outreach is so much wider than if it was just the management team sitting over the top and saying, right, we're going to do this, this and this. It's all about what they want to do. You know, we're, we're a long way from them in age, So always ask them how they think people would be attracted to IBM in recruitment terms, what sort of things that they would want to hear. That's how you get success. And it gives them, they're so enthusiastic, it's marvellous to see. I can just feel your passion. I can really feel it coming through the way that you're describing it. And I I feel inspired by it. What would you say to organisations who perhaps don't have that established practice of reaching wider to create opportunities we said opportunities for all what would you say to people starting to think about broadening their horizons in terms of this talk to other employers because there's plenty of employers out there Mm. who are doing this type of thing we're not the only ones Mm. so talk to other employers because we're always happy to to chat I, I talk to all sorts of different employers, not just in digital, about our apprenticeship scheme, about all the things we do. Everyone's always happy to help because it's for the good of the sector and and ultimately it's for the good of the UK, isn't it? For the UK economy, if we can get everyone infused, get everyone with employability skills in digital, there's a huge skills gap. So get people doing all this free online learning get a few badges you know get them interested i don't know in cyber security or something like that which is is fascinating subject there's a big network of employers around it's quite easy to team up with people if you want to i think there's lessons to to perhaps learn from a leadership point of view as well isn't there and we're talking about the challenges of finding new people to join us and re-energize our organizations and keep that growth coming through. And 
there's an education piece to do in some of the leadership teams of of organizations too isn't there around not everybody joining us now is a graduate perhaps they've got a different background perhaps they have different surprising talents that we weren't expecting there still is yes there still is challenges in some areas yes where shall we say traditional views can still be heard I think in IBM we're fortunate in that the diversity agenda has been with us for so long it's driven right from the top diversity inclusion from the US and and worldwide across IBM so we do have that that culture but yes there are still some pockets of people around who um, might turn their noses down slightly fortunately it's getting less and less and there's so much publicity around apprentices the government are promoting them continually mm. you know i think we're on the right path and and of course you should you should have both you shouldn't just have all apprentices you, you should have a mix you need a blended yeah. approach in your early professional recruitment so you do need graduates mm. and you also need apprentices and you know like I mean that's what's so good about our organization is is the ladder of opportunity so we have people at all levels and we mix them all together so that they all meet each other and socialize and join all our communities and it makes for an incredibly vibrant community and if you had to point at someone and say are they a trainee or are they a grad or are they an inter you wouldn't be able to tell they are a young person with passion and who wants to develop their skills and their career and that's all you need to think of them as you don't need to label them in any other way I think that is such an inspiring way of approaching a, a truly inclusive approach to how you develop your early professionals and it really is isn't it I love that mix them all up and you can't tell which one's which they have in common that desire to learn and be part of your organization amazing marvelous that's your word it's marvelous yes it is and it has been absolutely marvelous having this conversation with you you are such an inspiration Jenny thank you for all of the energy and passion and thank goodness you found your niche I think that your ripple effect on the thousands of people that have started their career as a result of that passion will be cheering me on as I say that to you thank you I, I really enjoyed it and I, I think my lasting comment would be you know there are brilliant people everywhere it's just finding them that is the problem but they they are out there so go find them in all walks of life thanks for listening if you've enjoyed this episode of unlocking leadership you can subscribe through all the regular podcast channels and please do leave us a rating and review there we'd also love you to share any episodes you've found interesting on linkedin twitter facebook or wherever, so that others can join the conversation and share their experiences. This podcast was made in association with Corndell. It was produced and edited by Nick Hilton for Podo. Mm-hmm.